0: Okay, page 84, Session 1, why does suffering exist? And uh, we want to begin by looking at page 83. So if you have your books, uh, you guys need a book, right? Anybody else need a book to look at? Okay. All right, uh, page 83. When life gets hard, big questions about pain and suffering. Few things in life are universal, experienced by all people no matter where they live, who they know or what they have. Unfortunately, suffering is something that is universal to all of us. With our suffering come questions. Perhaps the most common question is, why me? In this study, we will look at seven other questions related to pain and suffering. But our goal is not just to walk away with a bunch of simplistic answers but rather to embrace real hope through the wisdom we find in God's Word. God is at work. Suffering is certainly not a happy topic but we'll see that God will work through our suffering if we let Him do so. All the answers we seek are wrapped up in God. No one wants to suffer in this life but we'll see that God cares and comes alongside us even in our suffering we see that Jesus himself suffered beyond anything we can possibly fathom. He understands, he walks with us, he strengthens us, he gives us hope. So let's jump in and ask the hard questions. And the first question we have to ask today is, why does suffering exist? So let's look at question one. What's your favorite way to relax and and recover after a hard day? Anybody? What's your favorite way to relax and recover after a hard day? Lay in bed. Lay in bed, Chad will say. Okay, can't be that. Anyone else? Just sit down hmm? under
1: a cool spot and enjoy nature.
0: Sit down under a cool spot. She's got some good nice big trees in her yard, so there are a lot of cool spots there. And I'm sure she enjoys those. Okay, under a cool spot, under a big tree. Anybody else? Okay, let's look at, um, uh, we've looked at the topics that we're going to cover. So let's look at Bible Meets Life, page 85. Who want to take that?
1: Some days are harder than others. Do you remember times when you (coughs) had to deal with deadlines, upset co-workers, and congested traffic? Walking through the door of your home was such a welcome relief. A chance to relax, catch your breath, and forget about all the hardships of the day. With a good night's rest, you are ready to face another day, but sometimes difficulties don't leave. We were expecting our first child. The announcements of a baby announcement of a baby's upcoming birth is exciting, and ours was no exception. Like most new parents, we look forward to the months ahead. Fixing up the nursery, attending baby showers, choosing the baby's name and even figuring out what the baby would call his or her grandparents. Family and friends joined in the excitement. But things did not go as planned. Right after the end of the first trimester, the pregnancy ended in miscarriage. We were devastated. The following days were a mix of sleeplessness, grief, tears, questions, anger, and disbelief. We had indeed experienced a great loss. We cried out to God with one question. Why? Why, Lord, have you permitted this great suffering?
0: Okay. Now, what's the point?
1: Suffering Suffering is is a part of of living in the fallen
0: world. Exactly. Suffering is part of living. It's part and parcel of our pilgrimage in this world as believers. To those who have a secular humanistic view of life, suffering is simply a part of the natural order of things. To them it grows out of the evolutionary survival to the fit of the fittest. They might use that idea to justify some things like natural disasters, but it doesn't explain evil. We also suffer because of evil and the hurtful acts of others. From its opening pages, the Bible is absolutely very clear. When sin entered the world, so did suffering. Okay, we have a couple of passages to, to look at. Uh, but let's begin by looking at the setting. What is our setting for today? Genesis is a book of origins, explaining how many things begin. began. Unfortunately, one of those things was the introduction of sin into the world. Genesis 3 describes how Adam and Eve gave into temptation and plunged humanity into sin. In contrast, Romans 8 is all about hope. The Apostle Paul began the chapter with a reminder that no believer stands condemned in Christ and ended with a stirring encouragement that nothing, that is absolutely nothing, can separate us from God's love. So today we'll we'll take a look at the Bible to better understand the consequences of living in a fallen world. So we begin with our first passage, uh, Genesis chapter three, verses sixteen to eighteen. We want to take that first one.
2: He said to a woman, "I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you." <laughs> And he said to the man, because he listened to your wife (laughs) and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful things all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat red by the sweat of your brow until you turn, to the you turn to the ground, since you are taken from it, for you are dust, and you return to dust.
0: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: Suffering is really part of life. Every one of us has experienced suffering in one way or another, but it hasn't always been that way, nor has it part of God's original. us. The word Genesis means beginning, and that is exactly what we see in the first three chapters of this book. In Genesis 1, we see the mighty power of God in creation. In Genesis 2, we see how God interacted with his creation in the Garden of Eden. The chapter closes with his creation of Eve and the formation of the family. These are great beginnings,
1: but then we go to Genesis 3, one of the saddest
2: chapters in all the of the Scripture. Adam and Eve had perfect life of the its surroundings, but they chose to do one thing God told them they must not do. Eat mm-hmm. from the tree. The knowledge of good in evil. Genesis 2, 16, 17. Why is this so significant? <coughs> It was the moment sin entered the world, and with sin came suffering and death. It was costly. It was a costly decision for Adam and Eve, and the consequences of that
0: sin have been devastating for all of creation ever since. Okay, someone else want to continue on page eighty-seven.
2: Earlier in chapter 2, 17, God had informed them that one of the consequences of sin would They would no longer be able to live in the garden under the protection of God's presence. Therefore, their physical bodies would suffer under the weight of consent. After cursing the serpent for deceiving the woman, God addressed the first. God would intensify our physical pain in childhood, and her relationship with the person husband would. Eve's desire, God said, will be for Tesla, yet he will move over him. Her inability to move over or somehow control controller has come with the constant source of frustration between the customers and the thus became locked in an ongoing struggle for control that continues to this day. Adam was also impacted by the consequences of sin, no longer Instead, every food of grain they consume would be grown
0: by means of painful labor. Mm-hmm. In addition, God reminded Adam, Adam that the ultimate punishment would be for death. Sorry, they are dead. He declared that humanity will return to the ground, but you are just a right, Next page. Physical pain, broken relationships,
2: and relationships, all gone. Sin always brings pain. We might not see sin's unfold hope at first, but over time, the seeds of sin take root and eventually bring destruction and death. Unfortunately, suffering from sin does not just impact the person who sins. Instead, sin has the Family members are hurt that an alcohol, drug, or gambling addict. A parent's pain is real when children descend. Employees are hurt when the company leader can basil This passage in Genesis 3 shows us how seriously God takes sin. It. it brings great consequences to our lives. We will see in the next passage that we are not the only ones in fact. Okay,
0: so we don't always make the connection between fallen and Eden and suffering. <laughs> Uh, humanity endures today as we see in this passage. When we look at uh, uh, verse 16 uh, we note uh, he said to the woman I will intensify your labor pains you will bear children with painful effort your desire will be for your husband and yet he will rule over you. So the story of Adam and Eve is, is familiar even within the greater context outside the church We know about Adam and Eve, the serpent, the fruit and sin, but we don't always make the connection between the fall in Eden and the suffering humanity endures today. Very seldom people make that connection. By verse 16, God had already dealt with the serpent. It had been condemned to crawl on its belly and live in animosity with humanity. But even in this announcement of judgment, God foretold the hope that was to come. Sin would not win in the end. Genesis 3.15 After dealing with Satan, God turned his attention to Adam and Eve. From the very beginning, he had given his highest creation one basic prohibition. And they had violated the rule by eating the forbidden fruit. While they had been tempted to sin by Satan, they alone bore the responsibility for their choice. The serpent did not force them to sin, did he? Did he force them to sin? No, no. no he simply made a suggestion. <laughs> they voluntarily rebelled against God's command, voluntarily. No one put a gun to their head, no one forced them to do anything. As a result, they and every member of the human race from then on, that includes all of us, would suffer the consequences of their actions. God promised death, and while it did not happen immediately, it would happen eventually. Other hardships would would take effect sooner rather than later. For example, God said He would increase the labor pains of women giving birth. It would become a painful effort to bear children. Though the agony would be mixed with with a sense of joy, it should be noted that God did not equate childbirth with a curse. In fact, it was through... Eve's childbirth, that the human race would begin to expand and ultimately find its savior. God, in his infinite power and wisdom, weaved a blessing for humanity into the fabric of a judgment against a portion of humanity. Women would also have to deal with the conflict with their husbands, as we saw in the the text. While theologians have debated the meaning of these words, it's clear that women would have an expectation related to their husbands. Yet that desire would not be met. Instead, their husbands would, as the text says, rule over them. So the woman's judgment judgment had a direct impact on two of her major roles in life, motherhood and marriage. The pairing of desire and rule appears again in Genesis when God talked to Cain about his fury. In that occurrence, sin desired to snare Cain, but God encouraged him to rule over it in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. If that meaning implied, if that meaning applied to God's words toward Eve, it would mean that she would desire to have authority over her husband. But she would not be able to encounter God's to counter God's ordinance of her husband's leadership in the family. It pitches a battle between the genders, a battle that would frustrate both sides, especially the woman. And so we notice a couple of points there. Um, Uh, the consequences of sin due to Eve's disobedience one is that it will be a painful experience to bear children God did not equate childbirth with a curse and women will also have to deal with a conflict with their husbands now when we look at verse 17 to 18 we notice that Adam initially tried to blame Eve right and indirectly God himself and we still have that blame game going on today don't we it always happens he, he, uh, he blamed God for the part he played in sinning against uh, the Lord God did not accept his excuses again every individual is responsible for his own choices and Adam would have to face God's judgment for taking the fruit himself no one is exempt and then uh, God said that Adam made a mistake when he listened when he said the word says listen to your wife and ate the forbidden fruit and this does not mean that men should never listen to, or, to, or, to the, or listen to or take the feedback of their wives or their spouses. The opposite is actually the case. In a Christian marriage, God has placed two people together to complete one another, so it's vital that they communicate, right? Yes. That they communicate and respect the opinions offered by the other. don't put the other one down because their, 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 their opinions do not uh, measure up to what they think. And the way Adam fell short sure was that he did not stand up for God's standards in the face of, Eve, of Eve's suggestions. He could have said, Honey, that's not right. We shouldn't touch the fruit. We shouldn't eat the fruit. Uh, you know, we shouldn't. We really, God said, we shouldn't do that. You know, honey, we shouldn't do that. You know, that could have been his response. But was it? No, it wasn't, right? He said, Boy, that looks good. Let me taste it. He participated. <laughs> and so sin forced Adam and Eve to transition from paradise to hardship from the moment sin entered the world their lives became more difficult and more painful and we see that happening today in our world the Lord would provide for their needs but it would come at a cost what was the cost? according to the text Anyone picked it up? Because the sweat of your brow. In other words, you're going to work hard. You're going to toil. You're going to sweat in your labor. And it was not intended to be that way in the beginning. Each person will return to the ground, the text says. Every individual will experience death, the ultimate curse against humanity. And so believers should understand that pain and suffering of all kinds are are present because sin is present in the world. Sin. Question uh, two. What are some things in our world that frustrate you because of sin? Think about it. What are some things in our world that frustrate you? because of sin. Every time you encounter it, you think, boy, if it wasn't for sin. How um, human beings treat each
2: other, uh, not recognizing that human being is the most precious thing that
0: God created. Okay. How people treat each other. Okay. In light of the fact that they're made in the image of God. And that, you know, that's sounding When we think about some of the things that people do to other people. And, the, and some of the pain and the suffering that people, that human beings inflict on other human beings when we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Anyone else? What are some things in our world that frustrate frustrate you because of sin? One for me is when you hear a man referring to another man as his husband. Oh, that <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, really gets under my skin. <laughs> a woman referring to another woman as a as a wife.
3: Yeah.
0: Not what God intended. Absolutely not. Okay, and then we notice a couple of things that. Uh, uh, the ripple effect: family members are hurt when alcoholic uh, alcoholic comes home drunk and abusive. Parents' pain is real when children disobey. Employees are hurt when the company uh, when the company leader em- embezzles money. You know, and I was talking to Egan Camp the other day, and he was telling me how you know it was a good year for him, except that he had to get rid of one of his most industrious employees for stealing. I said, wow. And he said, that was one of his most promising employees. And he said, it was difficult to have to put her in jail. You know, but we see that. Consequences are the ripple effects of sin. Okay, let's look at the other passage we have. The second one, Romans 8. We go now to the New Testament, Romans 8, 18 to 22. Who want to take that one? Next, we will see in the New Testament, the perspective on the fall in this passage. Anyone want to take that?
4: For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. The key word, uh, one is futility, Romans eight twenty. The fall of humanity had an adverse impact on nature. Damaged by sin, it no longer functions to the capacity for which it, it was designed. And another keyword is bondage to decay out of Romans 8, 21. Currently, creation devolves and suffers death just like humanity. But one day, it will be redeemed and restored as well. Paul took a unique approach to the way a believer should understand pain and suffering. In order to encourage the believer who might be walking through a difficult time in life, Paul encouraged us to look forward. Instead of focusing on our adversity and becoming absorbed in our pain, Paul reminded us that we have a glorious future. Knowing about our future does not reduce our current pain, but it does encourage us to remember that our current situation is temporary and our future destination is eternal. Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4:17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. As a pastor, I am so encouraged when I see members of the church family steadfast and faithful to the Lord, even though they experience ongoing suffering in their lives. When I visit parents who have lost a child to a tragic accident, I am reminded of that future hope. When I watch a husband care for a sick wife year after year, I am reminded. When I see a student being persecuted for her faith at her high school and yet remain true to the Lord, I am reminded. In Hebrews 11, we see example after example of men and women who remain faithful in the face of hardship and suffering. Hebrews 11, 13, and 16. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Next page. Followers of Christ are not the only ones suffering yet looking ahead. All of creation was subjected to futility. Yet it looks forward to the time when it will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. When God made the world, it was good. But because of sin, it also has become a place of sin, suffering, and death. With words like futility, bondage, decay, and groaning, Paul painted a picture of creation that is far from bright. We know and have seen the suffering and devastation caused by tornadoes, raging wildfires, tsunamis, droughts, and earthquakes. One of our favorite places to visit, the Florida Panhandle, was devastated when Hurricane Michael came ashore on October 2018 as a Category 4 storm and destroyed or heavily damaged everything in its path. Homes, businesses, and even Tyndall Air Force Base. At least 35 deaths were attributed to this storm. Hurricanes are just one example of evidence of a world that is falling apart because of sin. It's no surprise then that creation itself looks forward to the glory that is going to be revealed to us.
0: Okay, so our suffering and groaning, physical and emotional, and are uh, temporary. We're only for a short period of time. Of course, we don't know how short time period that is. But uh, the question, the, the point is, we can look forward to the time in our fallen state and no longer will have an impact on us. Amen. Amen. Notice, uh, uh, page eighty-nine, uh, a quote here it says Paul took a unique approach to the way a believer should understand pain and suffering in order to encourage the believer who might be walking through a difficult time in life. Paul encouraged us to look forward instead of focusing on our adversity and becoming absorbed in our pain. Paul reminded us that we have a glorious future and we can often be mindful of that. Uh, In verse 19, you also know the Bible often uses personification Giving human qualities to inanimate objects to describe nature. And we see that throughout the scriptures. Uh, the creation, notice says that, the verse says, The creation eagerly awaits with anticipation. That's an example of the personification. Human sin marred the creation that God declared. Remember when God did the uh, works of creation? And after he finished each one, what did he say? it was good good it was very good all right and so we see uh sin how sin is marred what god had originally declared very good and so that gives us an idea of the impact of sin while humans rebelled against god of their own volition nature was a victim of sin in a sense it became collateral damage you know what collateral damage is right mm-hmm. In, in a war between good and evil because of, the hum, of humanity's fall. That plane that was shot down by the Iran's the other day, those people were the result of collateral damage. The Iran's thought that they were shooting at a missile in response to the attack on the US base. But they made a mistake. And those, those 137 people became collateral damage. And nature itself has become collateral damage uh, to the sin of humanity. Notice, uh, the whole creation was has been groaning. And so, believers, Christians, are not, a, not only are we suffering as people, but creation is suffering as well as a, as a result of the sin that came into the world. Uh, to emphasize this, if the impact of sin on nature, Paul used another human image to illustrate his, his point, childbirth. A woman labors in the pain of childbirth, and he says, "Creation has long been groaning under the weight of sin." Natural disasters, as we saw in our in our writings here, uh, are a part of that. It may seem commonplace today, but they're not. They were not. They're not a part of God's initial plan for nature. Okay, God never intended for that for it to be that way but they are. Uh, Question number three. Where do you see evidence of bondage and groaning in the world today? Any examples? (laughs) Evidence of groaning, bondage and groaning in our world today. Well, the natural disasters is one, right? Where else do we see?
2: Everywhere. Hmm? Everywhere basically you see people on the streets um, as you can see during enduring hardships and, uh, mm-hmm. so
0: so. okay good okay next we will be reminded of how to face difficulties with hope mm-hmm. let's look at the final passage we have Romans chapter 8 23 to 25 last one who want to take that last one it's a short one
3: I'm going to what we ourselves who have the spirit of as the First fruits, we also grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in the, now in this hope, we were saved. But hope, that is seen, is not hope, because he, because who hopes for what he sees? Next now, one. now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Go on. Creation groans, and so do the followers of Christ. We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We groan because we understand the devastation of sin. We groan, but we groan with hope because of the indwelling spirit in our lives. We have tasted hope. We We have a hope that assures us of better things to come. Just as a mother groans in thinking during birth, she does not groan hopelessly. She groans with the anticipation of the child to be born. John described this hope to us later in the book of Revelation. God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That will, no will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Revelations 21, 3-4. When the new heaven and the new earth are unveiled, unveiled, all uh, suffering and pain will cease. We will be dwelling dwelling with God. Sin and its consequences will be no more. This provides great hope for the believer, as we walk through the sin, pain and suffering of this world. Continue. Question four. No, skip the
0: question. Go ahead.
3: Earlier Paul yeah. I describe our relationship with Christ in terms of adoption. Romans eight, fourteen to sixteen. This is a picture we greatly value. Because we have three three adopted sons from China. As eager as we were to bring them into our home, they also were eager to have a forever family. Without adoption, some children some children feel no real sense of identity, identity or belonging. Wherever they live is only temporary. It's, it's, wherever, wherever they live is only temporary. Home has no sense of permanence. Adoption means someone loves them. Someone warns them. Paul had this image in mind as he wrote about the believers' eagerness to be brought home. Adoption from Christ comes to God's immense love for us even when we see ourselves as unlovable. We have, he has chosen us even when it feels like the world has abandoned us. He is coming for us even when our current circumstances cause us to question his, his timing. And this is the basis for our hope. The world often talks of hope like a wish or a desire. The scripture defines hope as a confident and guaranteed expectation. When God promises to do something, He will do it. God has adopted us as His children through Jesus but we are still waiting to enter our forever home of heaven when the day comes we will say goodbye to all pain of suffering for all eternity
0: okay thank you shadow okay notice uh how uh, uh eternity is anticipating relief uh, groaning eagerly and anticipating relief uh three ways first fruits were the initial crops taken in the harvest and were often used for offerings to god first fruits were related to the promise of eternity. And then secondly, we see the Spirit served as their first fruits, a guarantee of our eternal future, like a pledge or a down payment. And then thirdly, we note that our groaning won't last forever. We look forward to what the Scriptures describes as the redemption of our bodies. Great, okay, but notice uh, we also have insights regarding our hope. Uh, from the text. Hope is based on what we, what can't be experienced through human senses. If you can see it, you need hope. Okay? Uh, faith energizes our hope and reminds us that one day our groaning will be replaced by glory. Yeah, shall we? Uh, Question,
3: uh, if you can see it physically, then it is
0: an hope. Yes. But if you could see it mentally? By faith. It is hope. It's hope right okay question number four well for the sake of time we're going to skip question four Uh, uh, or should we how would you describe the hope we are offered in Christ that has been explained Uh, question five uh, how does our future hope impact our response in suffering you can answer that one how does our future hope question number five impact our response to suffering. In other words, uh, in response to your suffering, whatever it is you're suffering. Okay, how does your future hope impact that? You know it's not going to be
2: forever. You know it's going to be going to go somewhere better. Some people don't have that hope. They only have here and now. They don't
0: exactly. don't
1: anything at all to hope for.
0: Mm-hmm. So okay. This is it for them, right here. Right, okay, very good. Our mm-hmm. uh, hope help us to look toward a glorious eternity, and not just focus on the suffering at the present moment. Very good. Okay. All right. Page uh, 93. How are we going to flesh this out? How are we going to live this out, this lesson out today? Suffering is present, but it is not permanent. How will you live out the truths of these passages? Three options. Acknowledge your sin. Admit to God that you are a sinner. While you may live with the consequences of past sin, you can be forgiven and look forward to a future in Christ that will ultimately be free of suffering. That's the first option. Secondly, look to God. As you groan with hope and look to the future, make a list of the ways God can use your current situation. To deepen your walk with Him. Second thing we can do. And then the third thing is share your hope. As you encounter others who are suffering, allow God to use your suffering to help others. Be aware of opportunities to help and encourage others who are suffering. What is the point?
4: Suffering,
1: suffering is a part of, of
0: the living in a fallen world. And we need to remember that. That is the point. And so let's follow through this week with at least one of those three suggestions. And uh, remember, hold on to hope. Because pain and suffering for the believer is not eternal. It will come to an end at some particular point in time. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's close in prayer. Time is gone. Heavenly Father, help us to endure through our pain and suffering. We need you to get us through. Only you can. Thank you for the promise of eternity with no tears and no more pain. Bless us, Lord, as we leave this room but not your presence. We pray for the service to follow and all those who will be ministering in song and spoken word. Continue to get glory for yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Lord bless you as you go.